Hi everyone, it's Joyce. I just wanted to say that I hope you're keeping safe, healthy, and hanging in there. Sending love your way and my thoughts are with you. When the Black Lives Matter movement happened, um, co company-wide at Dot Dash, it was just of utmost importance for us to uh, really face that reality and figure out like what we were gonna do about it as brands. And so every one of our brands at Dot Dash, and there's like, I don't know, at this point, there's like 13 different media brands at Dot Dash. Um, every brand sat down and wrote a diversity pledge. And it wasn't just like, we're gonna do better. It was like, what are we going to do that is not just acknowledging what we should be doing or can be doing better, but what is the measurable thing that we can look at every single quarter and say, okay, we put a measurement and a number on this. How did we do? And then let's report that out to our readers as like how we're doing. Hello, beauty. Yes, you. Join me, host Joyce Platon, as I chat with today's beauty, wellness, and lifestyle visionaries. Let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty. Hey there, Joyce Baton here and welcome to Hello Beauty. Today's special guest is Leah Wire. Leah is a leading beauty expert and Birdie Beauty's general manager. She has 18 years experience at top selling women's magazine. Birdie is a leading digital beauty site and just launched the first ever digital magazine. Welcome to Hello Beauty, Leah. I'm so excited, finally. I mean, I have been a subscriber of Birdie ever since it started. So I just wanna learn more about this new platform that you guys just created. But before that, I wanna get into your background. Talk to me about the journey that led you to being the general manager of Birdie and how much of it was it like you thought it would be? Yeah, so it's been a journey. It's been like, oh God, it's scary over 20 years at this point. <laughs> um, and, you know, the the short story is that I started out as a, an assistant at um, Health Magazine and then over the years had gone, um, that was owned by Time Inc. at the time. And so over the years I had spent time at Condé Nast itself and I went to Meredith at Fitness Magazine, then landed at Cosmo. And I spent a really long time at Cosmo and Hearst in general. So I was the beauty director of Cosmo. And then a couple of years into that, we started producing Seventeen magazine out of Cosmo. And then after that, the whole structure at Hearst changed. And I was overseeing like the beauty departments of five magazines and then 10 magazines. And so it had just, the whole industry was turning upside down at that point. Um, and they were really consolidating the way they operated. And so um, at the time, of the, la at the, the last role that I had at Hearst, I was um, the chief beauty director of all of the brands. And so um, things just, I mean, it was, it was an incredible experience those 10 years. Like we had two different TV shows that we were working on and um, it was just a lot of fun. I was working directly for Joanna Coles. It was just a just whirlwind of kind of like the sweet spot of um, magazine publishing, just like really fun, um, still just like doing lots of really high production shoots and all this great thing, all this great stuff that you sort of see play out into like the movies and various like TV shows. And it's like all feels really real. And like, that's kind of how it was at that point. Um, and then the whole industry started to change and um, everything started to get like smaller and more consolidated and it just started to get harder. And it was, it was 
it made me realize like, okay, at some point this is going to stop being so fun. It's not going to um, be as rewarding. And here I'm going to be stuck in this job where I don't know how to do digital. And so um, the last couple of months of my time, I've made it a real priority to try to learn as much as I could. Uh, it was a little tricky because it was very separated at Hearst. Um, like there was a print team, there was a digital team, and they really didn't mix. But I had um, a really unique opportunity because um, my close friend and cousin, Carly Cardellino, um, who a lot of people in the beauty world know, she's a big influencer, um, she was the digital editor at Cosmo. And so we were able to really like help each other in a lot of ways. Like she would help me learn digital. I would help her do things with print. And I was able to get a little bit of an education that way. And then all of a sudden I was called on this job um, to, to come and interview at Dot Dash. And they wouldn't tell me what it was. It was sort of this secret because they weren't sure if they were going to buy Birdie, um, which I also didn't even know that it was Birdie. I knew there were like dabbling in a possible acquisition. Um, but they were either going to buy Birdie or they were going to make a beauty site. And so they came to me just saying like, we need somebody to run beauty for us. And we are interested in having you do it. And I was just like, you know what? It's time. Like, it's just time to do something different. I've, I've been at Hearst for so many, I mean, a decade is such a long time to stay um, in this moment. So it was it was time to go. So I did make the leap to take the job as GM of Birdie. A couple of months later, um, Dot Dash also acquired Brides from Condé Nast. And so they put Brides into my group too. So I was overseeing both of the brands um, and I still am. Um, and you know, what I, to answer your second part is like, do I, did I, is it all I thought it would be, or is it different than I thought it would be? Um, you know, in so many ways, I, it was a huge education. Um, obviously digital in general is completely different than print, but it wasn't even so much of that curve as it is the way dot dash treats the content that they create, which is incredible incredibly high quality. So whatever you, in a lot of ways, not, not knowing how to do things like the digital way was almost advantageous to me because I didn't have to unlearn bad habits. And there's a lot of bad habits that happen um, in the digital world. You know, so much uh, just sort of quick and cheap things that people do to get traffic. And so I didn't actually have to unlearn any of that, which was really helpful to me, but there was just a whole um, new, you know, everything from like a, it's like a language barrier in a lot of ways when you go to um, a digital company because what they might call something and what I called something in my past life was completely different. And so you're learning the language, you're learning these new habits, you're learning how they do business. And that was um, a little tricky. I think being a GM in a lot of ways, it's like being an editor in chief and also simultaneously being the publisher. Um, so if you think about like the way the print world works, it's like you have a publisher who oversees all the numbers and oversees the advertising and oversees the marketing. And then you have an editor in chief who oversees all the content and the branding. And a GM is like sort of a little bit of both of that. You are, and, it, and it's a lot of ways helpful because you, uh, you have to be very circular in all of your process and in, in all of the ways that you work you have to think like is this right for the brand okay great can we maybe monetize it how does that work into like how many people we need now need and so you, everything is connected and it has a re, it's, it makes you really efficient 
um, because you're seeing everything. You're not sort of operating in a bubble. So that has been um, something that I didn't sort of know that that was the job of a GM, and it was something I had to had to learn on the job. So it's been great, and um, it's probably there's a couple of moves in my life where I'm like, that was the best move I ever made, and like. At it, this is right up there with those. <laughs> you said that you had to learn that on the job. That's surprising that they were very welcoming. I was very honest when I was interviewing with um, our CEO, Neil, like when, in the early stages of this, I was super honest with him. And I just said, like, if you're looking for somebody who, um, you know, spent a decade at a pure play, that's not me. Like, but here's what I can do for you. Like, I can help you completely run a brand. I ran, you know, I was, I was a significant player of like the biggest young women's magazine in the world or Cosmo. So I can help you run a brand. I can help you um, align your teams because they, when I came in, they had, you know, the, the acquired uh, editors that they had from the acquisition. And then they had a whole host of editors from Dot Dash. And like, that takes a lot to try to fuse teams together and, and, and cultures and create your own sort of version of a dot dash culture from people who are coming from two different places. So I was like, I can do that. I can run the brand. I am like, my superpower is, you know, coordinating with sales. Um, I can help you with revenue, but I'm never going to come in and immediately know like what product to make and what um, like the be fluent in growth. Like that's just not me. And he's like, that doesn't matter. What I, what's missing right now is what you bring to the table. We have people to do all of those other things. We have people that will help you every step of the way and help you learn that. And what I need is this piece of it. And so that I think is um, what drew them to me and being open. Thank God being them open to, um, to working with me because um, they didn't have they, they, they were just starting to acquire these well-known brands like Birdie and Brides and Liquor.com, which they've um, recently uh, purchased. So they, they just didn't have like the expertise in branding. And so they were kind of giving up like one piece of it to gain another. And so for me, I, I was able to benefit from that. A lot of people forget that just because you're, you know, you have this big title means that you have to know it all. I, you're so you're so right and I love that you're bringing that up because really it's like you know there's there's times in your career where where you you know that you're um you're sort of like coasting and you're having like a moment and it feels really good right and I and those moments are amazing because you've you've gotten over that like huge learning curve and you're just like in a really sweet spot and there were there was a moment in particular I always reference this um my very close friend Aya Kanai who now runs um uh, a big department at Pinterest um media partnerships at Pinterest she's basically like the chief content officer there uh but she and I she was my fashion counterpart at Hearst she was the chief fashion director and there was a moment where, um, like many years ago, where we were just in my office and I was like, this is a moment that we have and we know it's going to end at some point because like it can't go on like this forever. Like, you know, ease and like great relationships and sort of that like creative spark and like all that like amazing juice that happens sometimes on the job where you're like, this is perfect. Like this is going to pass and we have to just enjoy this moment. And so we talk about that all the time because our world's got turned upside down 20 times since oh that conversation. But um, it's like, the, it's good to have those moments and savor them and, and be very 
real about the fact that like they're not going to last forever. But it's also really good when you don't know everything and when you are learning and you're still being able to, I tell all my employees all the time, it's like looking at your career as a pie chart and being like, this is what I'm great at. This is what needs some work. And this is where I have a total blind spot and I have to like get in there. And that's, that's, that was me like, like two years ago. I was like, I have a complete blind spot in digital. And if I don't fill this side of the pie chart, like I'm just going to sort of fizzle out in this industry and I don't want to, like, I have to keep growing. So that is, I love that you brought that up because it's so important to, to, to career development. I'm in my early forties and like, I'm still learning. And I think that's the most incredible opportunity when you can, you know, be in your forties, in your fifties, in your sixties even, and, and still be learning, which I think is just fabulous. Exactly. And knowing this information, it'll actually empower women to go for a a higher position because they think, oh, I don't think I fit that job description. But no, I mean, you could learn along the way, like what you mentioned and what you're experiencing. Totally. Um, you yeah. just have to, I mean, it's, 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 it's brave. You got to be a little brave to do yeah. it. Um, you have yeah. to push yourself <laughs> and get out of it. And you, and you need somebody on the receiving end who is sort of welcoming the, the things that you bring to the table that are unique and then supporting you with the things that maybe you don't know, but they're going to give you some time to grow into that. And then you just get there and you hustle and you work really hard and you figure out how to do all of those things um, in a way that makes sense to you. I love that. So with Birdie's first ever digital magazine, what can we expect from this format? Yeah, so this was something obviously, you know, inspired by my time um, in print for so long and, and knowing that, you know, even in this world where print is declining so much, it still is the premium product um, that is a lot of brands see it to be more premium than digital at times. So I wanted to figure out like, how do we create a more premium experience on Birdie? Um, it's not going to be a piece of paper and a tangible thing, but like, what can we do differently uh, than what other brands are doing because because digital issues are out there and and um, you know digital or social covers happen all the time by legacy brands and by um, pure plays so it's something that we're not pioneering but we wanted to make it different and so um, I think what makes ours special we commission 15 to 20 original articles for the issue itself and and, and a lot of what I was seeing out there when we were sort of doing, um, looking at the landscape and, and trying to create something really different and unique was that a lot of these are sort of aggregates of content that's been on the site for a while. Maybe they like clean it up a little bit and, and make it feel a bit newer or polished, but it, it's, it's repurposed a lot of the times. And so we wanted to make sure like these things felt new and, um, sort of like relevant to the to the moment. And so that's one piece that is different for us. A second piece is, um, again, sort of, it, it goes back to sort of that print uh, mindset, which is years ago, like in the heydays of, of print, when um, these big brands were buying like those crazy covers, like you'd, you'd open up a cover and there'd be like triple covers and all these like things, these origami looking things that would open up and see all these ads. And it was, you know, it was just like a moment back then, but um, there was second covers or flip covers were, were something that people would buy and um, a brand would own like that flip side. And so I thought like we should do a second cover and it should be um, 
celebrating the glam teams of our cover star that were booking for this issue. And so um, we've called it, we call it the B-sides for Birdie, for Beauty. It's sort of highlighting the hair and makeup artist who was on set that day. Um, all these people for our readers are, you know, sometimes as, as important to them and as popular to them as the celebrity themselves. And so uh, we wanted to spotlight them. So now we are giving a, a, a second cover to them. Um, so that's really different. And then we are creating these lists um, for, the, for, the, for the cover that we, our inaugural cover with Taylor uh, Russell, we had a theme called Change Makers. And then we had profiled 30 uh, beauty and wellness change makers in the industry. So people who were really moving the needle in a variety of ways. Uh, and so these lists are now going to be part of our digital issues moving forward. And um, so we're trying to really just make it a fun uh, experience that our reader can look forward to every quarter. And um, it's been really just a lot of energy put into this. That's been like really great for the team. It's been fun. Speaking of Taylor Russell, how significant was it to pick her for your debut cover? It was really, really significant. Um, you know, for me, I had been, you know, we had been planning this, sort of casting this since the beginning of the, of the year because, for two reasons. One, because it was going to be the inaugural um, cover and we wanted to be very thoughtful about who was going to have the first uh, cover. But also I was going on maternity leave in um, April and I wanted to make sure like this stuff was buttoned up before I had gone out. So we were really, we had, we had a list of people that we were um, looking at and Taylor had always been um, in that like top of that list because I loved her from um, Lost in Space. I don't know if, if um, you're a fan or if you've watched that on Netflix, but it's such a fun show. And uh, she has this really like just strength of character in that show and she's intelligent and she is purposeful and she's sort of like the, the um, anchor to that family. And I loved the, the I just loved the, the energy that she put off in that, with that character. So I, I loved her. Yeah, I need to check it out then. Oh, it's so good. It's <laughs> oh, okay. So, and then, you know, she had this masterful performance in Waves and she was, you know, had this beautiful, um, performance in words on bathroom walls, which was, get, which was get, getting like so much attention. And um, then she directed this beautiful, uh, this beautiful documentary called The Heart Still Hums, which was bringing attention to just a lot of uh, important issues, homelessness, addiction. And so it was just so, she, she seemed so right for this because she in, embodied this spirit of birdie. Like it was just, you know, she, she was more than just this beautiful face. She was doing things that were important. Um, and that is what we, we love to find celebrities like that because um, they're just inspiring. So, the, but I think the most important piece of it all was that our reader is always looking for a story and they want somebody to be vulnerable and be um, really honest. And Taylor had this way of just, it, it, it was like you were you weren't speaking to a Hollywood, a traditional Hollywood star who's typically very guarded, who sort of has the you know she knows her brand. She's like a, a, a typical Hollywood star, just like knows the brand that she puts out. She knows what to say to fit that space. There's no veneer there with Taylor, and I loved that. Like that to me was 
if we can have a cover star who is willing to just tell something different and special and honest, um, that was a win. relatable, you know, that's totally relatable. Yeah. And you know, there's a moment in her cover story where, you know, she, she, she reveals like acting is such a great source of energy for her. And she feels so, um, that she's so lucky to have this opportunity, but that I think she, the phrase she used was that like when she is getting attention from the outside world, it's almost like a death to her. And I was like, holy cow, like that, oh, wow. just like that, that juxtaposition of like, here's this famous person who people know and recognize, but then when they do, she's like, this feels crazy to me. And so I loved that, that admission that she was willing to give. And, and then, you know, she talks about how she quit Instagram because she just needed space to like think, which I feel like we we all feel oh like that every now and then. And so yeah. she quit, right? And and she quit this platform at a time when like her star was rising and you know still continues to rise. Um, and then she had this really em empowering and important conversation with a friend during the Black Lives Matters movement, where the friend said, "You know what? Like, what if you know ten years ago or fifteen years ago?" we had this platform and in this moment we had representation on instagram that allowed us to um just become whatever it is a director a producer an actress anything you know sort of shoot for the stars and we could see somebody like us doing that like would it have allowed us to move faster in our careers and then and that's the reason she got back on and so it all was it's all to say that it was like sort of perfect timing for a lot of this and her story was just really um it, it was it was just a really good moment and it was very very important to me that she be the first person for, for, for our cover yeah it was such a beautiful cover i mean for those uh for our listeners and viewers they should definitely check it out. And I'll link that in the bio. So I want to talk beauty. I mean, you definitely have the background and the expertise in this. Why do you think it's important to still get ready, put on your makeup, even during quarantine? Or I mean, is it important even? Or should we just like not care? <laughs> wow, it's so fascinating to me because I feel for so many years, I would write these stories and um, I would, you know, say, you know, like the, like the power red lip and like putting it on, it makes you like have the confidence. And, you know, I do, there's a lot of psychology behind that. And like a lot of people studied it and it feels like, um, there's some sound basis for, for that. But what's interesting to me is like, so I don't know, we all had lockdown in mid-March. So we've been doing this for seven months now. And, um, for I would say the 90% of those seven months, like I have sort of shown up to work like via Zoom, pretty minimal. Like, I mean, at most like concealer and <laughs> mascara, like it's pretty, it's pretty bare bones. Um, and for me, it's like, it's no different. I'm, I'm not, um, I don't feel like I lost my mojo or anything because I don't have like a full, a yeah. full face makeup or, you know, some days I'm wearing a bun or, you know, a ponytail or something. But what I notice, which I think is fascinating is that when I actually do go maybe like the extra three steps and, you know, like shocker throw on lipstick, like I did today, um, 
the response that I get on the other side of the Zoom is what I think is so fascinating to me. And I'm sure there's like so much sort of societal and like patriarchal uh, roots to all of this that we could unpack on like a whole other podcast. But, um, you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I sort of had a, a face on and my hair was done. I was wearing like you know, not a sweatshirt. And I remember somebody on the other side of the Zoom was like, whoa, are you doing press today? Like, you look so different. And I'm like, no, I'm just presenting strategy to our bosses. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's the response I think that you get from the other side that that I think has been the most fascinating because I don't think I feel any different. And so, and I can imagine if, you know, if we're being really real, I'm sure a lot of women feel that way. Like, we're doing everything at home. It's like quite exhausting to... You see, you see, you think that it's going to be easier in a way because you're eliminating your commute and, you know, you can sort of don't have to be as like complete. You can kind of take that portion of it out. And so you're saving time and it's easier when you are working from home, but I find it completely exhausting. And oh, yeah. I think like when you even just a think about putting on a full face of makeup just to sit in my living room all day. I'm like, I just can't do it. And I, and I, I, I don't think I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, no, you and I both and a lot of people, I've actually found that I've been more comfortable with myself because obviously, you know, like before quarantine, maybe there'd be some makeup products that I cannot go out without, right? It's like I have to at least maybe put a lipstick on or something or mascara. But now that, you know, maybe because I am late for my Zoom call because I was up late watching Netflix all night. I'm like, oh crap, I have this call. Let me just roll out of bed and just hop in that call. It was actually happening frequently because I've been staying up late. But then I noticed like the more I did that, showed up with lesser makeup, I was more comfortable with myself. I mean, no one's saying anything. So I think it's just all in my head or they're just too nice to say anything. But it's just like, it's just about that thing, you know, where I'm finally like feeling more comfortable with myself. And it's not really a big deal if you don't have like a full face on. So I think that's the positive side that I like about it. But at the same time, I guess like, like today, of course, you know, recording, I, you know, fix myself. It's actually like, it makes me appreciate it. And I'm like, oh, I actually can still put on makeup. Oh, like, you know, I can still look like this. So there's just that difference where you don't look the same every day and you kind of surprise yourself. Totally. And, and I think, um, you know, I, I think about like when life goes back to normal and we start to think like, what is that new relationship that we have with makeup? Like it is going to be redefined for a lot of us. Like it's, it's, um, and I don't know what that means. Like, I don't, I don't know what that is yet, but it will be interesting to try to, um, understand that and, and, and figure out like, what is the next level of all of this? Because when I, like you said, when I put it on now, um, it's, it makes me feel better than like I ever remembered feeling about makeup. It's like you appreciate it so much more. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It just feels special, more special yeah. now. We have been in quarantine. Have you learned any beauty hacks? And if you did, please share. So yes. Okay. So um, before, so the week of, before we locked down, I was supposed to uh, go in for my hair color, which means that I hadn't had color. Well, I haven't had color since January. Like it's yeah. wild. Like it's been almost 11 months that I, that I haven't had hair color. Um, so I have, and I'm very, very gray. 
which is crazy. Like it's, it's, I've become, I think, grayer in the last like, you know, couple of years. So this right here is like my number one hack. Cause it's like the only way I can get through the day, which is the, um, can you oh. see this? It's the magic um, root cover up from L'Oreal. And honestly, when I realized that like, whoa, this, this is no joke, but we're going to be quarantining for like, you know, we didn't realize we thought it was just gonna be like, oh, for two weeks, three weeks. Totally. I was like, fine, I'll see you later. <laughs> I was like, okay, guys, like I'll see you in like a month. Like I thought like a month. Yeah. I really realized what was happening. Yeah. And then you started seeing like everything on Amazon, like going to like zero oh. stock. I bought yeah. like 10 of these. And because I was like, okay, if I use one a month, like I'll be good until you know, the end of the year and turns out I'm probably gonna need to buy a lot more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long this is gonna last. Um, so that's my big hack. My um, my second hack is that- Oh wait, sorry. This that, did you find that those um, cover up sprays, does it transfer? Like, you know, cause some people, they don't really wash their hair every day. Does it transfer on your pillowcase? So I only, I only wash my hair like once a week, like maybe uh -huh. twice a week. And I have like white everything in my room and I've never noticed like any, any issue with like my pillowcase, okay, yeah. sheets, like nothing like that. This stays for a while. Like there's even some days where like, if I, if I do like a really good spray, like the first time after a shampoo, I don't even need to reapply it like until maybe another, like every other day. So it, it, it like, it sticks and it, it's, it's, and it's also not like grossly sticky either. Like okay. I, it's a little stiff, but nothing. nothing yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. second thing this is a little this scares a little people this scares some people sometimes but I also obviously haven't had a pedicure in a hundred years and my feet get like really gross oh my um, god I know and how so like. a, a hundred and million years ago when I first moved to New York um these like credo blades like the sticks the uh like foot the foot razors they were not illegal in New York at the time so you could go to you know a pedicure place and they would pull this thing out. And Wait, I never knew they became illegal. Yeah, so in New York they are. I don't know, and I'm sure there are in a lot of other states, but in New York, like it's totally illegal. But oh. it, back in the good old days, you could Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like, like, um, like, uh, like bacteria issues and stuff. Like yeah. really, you know, um, very, very dangerous in terms of like transferring things like staff yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. But um, again, in quarantine, I was like, God, I just need something like those little cheese grater things were not cutting it for me. I use like the, the baby foot thing, which is actually pretty good, but it just takes a long time to get all the peeling done. So I was like, I'm going to buy a Credo blade. And I did on Amazon and it like totally changed my life in quarantine. Cause now I just go in the shower and like cut a bunch, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty safe. Like it has a guard on it. It's yeah, not. Yeah, like I do have that actually. I mean, it's funny cause you know, since quarantine, I was like, I never had that at home, but I was like, I need to buy that too. Like. I actually have to like worry about doing that to myself. So I'm like, oh, I bought the cheese grater, the pumice stone, everything. Yeah, that work. If you're not getting pedicure for a month, yeah. none of that's gonna do anything to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is kind of gross. And I love walking around my, you know, my place barefooted. So, you know, that just aggravates and makes my feet even more gross. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. So it is not gross for me because I do it. <laughs> Glad. Thank you. I actually found some beauty hacks where I now started to wear bonnets to sleep. So, oh, you know, like like now I spent time to fix my hair. So, of course, I want to preserve that. So yeah. 
I just put it in a bun and then just wear a bonnet to sleep, like a silk one. I think like Kitsch has like cute ones and even Amazon. And then yeah. like, it just keeps your curls. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's you, the you one thing that I, I've discovered. I, th I think we're all trying new things that we've never tried before. Cause you're sort of in a moment where you can't get all the things done or you can't maybe find your favorite products. And so you're like using things in a pinch and I don't know, it's kind of this like fun little moment to try new things. Yeah, <laughs> it's meditative actually. Cause before I was like, I hate doing my nails, but I'm forced to. So I'm like, okay, even if it's like crooked, let me just do it. And it actually relaxes me. Practice kind of makes perfect with the nail thing. Like it's, I, I was like, oh my God, I'll never master this DIY nail. <laughs> but like you know what when you have to do it you do it and if you you know I, I'm, I'm like the queen now of like once I do my nails like I'll take the q-tip and dip it in the uh yeah the remover and like make it you know all perfect and you get by like it's fine yeah and they have these stick-on ones nowadays so I mean so easy <laughs> and it's yeah. become such a moment for skincare now right like oh, yeah you know we're talking all about makeup and you know what that means for like being pretty minimalistic at this point, but I think if you're going to be minimalistic with your makeup, then you do feel like a, you probably want to be a little more robust with your skincare because you want to take care of your skin. You want to be able to, you know, feel like confident whenever in everyday life, you're not wearing as much makeup. Um, but it's also really relaxing. Like, I think it's giving us a lot of just, you know, doing, doing, various multi-step things or masks or it's just feels more comforting than it's ever felt before and you and particularly I was reading this week like body care sales are like just through the roof and it's become this um this thing that people are obsessing about is like you know body oils and body creams and scrubs yeah. and like in a way that it, it, it just hasn't been like that in a, in a while and so I think people are looking to their showers and you know those like 10 minutes at night in the bathroom to just like try to come to like some baseline because it's just a really crazy like cortisol spiking moment mm -hmm. that like you know when you can find those moments and beauty and skincare have a lot to do with that so it feels it feels good to do that i agree there's a spike in these um at home facial devices do you have a favorite one have you tried oh my gosh that's enough so i have the zip here oh, okay zip. but the zip is really incredible the creator melanie simon um has developed an app that goes with it and so you turn the app on and you basically it's so crazy like it's so science like science fiction in a lot of ways but you pick the thing that you want so if you want to like tighten your skin if you want like an uh like more of just a a glow there's a variety of like little facials that you can pick from and then you pick it and it, it syncs up with your device and it sends this like electrical cocktail like it, it sort of programs into into your device and you follow along with the app like where to put it like oh. how to position it and the electricity that comes out of it is customized to that particular facial and so you know when they're they they just opened up um the opportunity to get facial treatments again in new york so you know for months people weren't be, weren't able to get them and I loved using this because I've been it, eyeing that though. It's been it's like in really my cool. cart forever. <laughs> it's really, really cool and worth it. If you, you know, if facials are something that you feel are great for your skin. For me, my, my skin reacts to them in a really positive way and, and not having them for a while. I was like, Oh, 
Like it's just not, I mean, also like I have gotten Botox for the last 10 years and like, I haven't had it in the last like year and a half. And so like, I just, I'm just like, I'm falling apart right now. No, you don't wait to get out of young, here. My goodness. That's why when you were saying that you're all gray, I was like, I don't believe it. I feel like that's your natural. You don't taste believe it because of this. That's <laughs> yeah. So the zip does it do microcurrent? Because I know that's such an in thing now. Also that treatment. So she. So the the um the creator calls herself an electrical um God, I forget what she calls it, like an electrical esthetician. And so <laughs> it's it's all these like her whole thing when you see her in in person is like she just has this incredible table full of devices that like she you know she she uses them so she's this is this is a, an electricity driven device and and it is using currents to do various okay. things yeah. to your face and i i think it's incredible but we're saying like i mean i don't know most mo a lot of places are saying that you were we're not going back to work or kind of getting back to normal until like bare minute like at the earliest like in next spring right so yeah another six months of maybe not getting treatments the way that we're nor we're used to so six months times you know if you spend a, if you spend a hundred bucks on a facial every month like that's six hundred dollars like this thing exactly. i think is a couple hundred it might be worth it at that point exactly yeah i mean because at this point i'm still low-key paranoid to even go to certain you know spas or my dermatologist i'm still kind of paranoid I agree. And like, honestly, I, but we were talking about not being, having gotten a manicure or a pedicure in, in, you know, yeah. almost a year I now. Have yeah. I haven't either. And so we did a story this week on Birdie about this um, salon in this, in New York called Glossy Lab. And they, their COVID approach to treatments for manics and petties is like mind blowing. I, I was watching this story being like, I have to go here because it is every piece of anxiety that I've had about going to the salon um, for anything, they've, they've taken care of it. And so oh. I have an appointment actually tomorrow to go there. And it's going to be my first mani-pedi oh like, uh, since lockdown. And so I- Are I'm you going to post that in your IG story? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm we're going to- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to talk about what is the next frontier of the beauty industry? Um, I mean, I don't think any of us can deny it. Like, I think it's, I think it's accountability. Um, and it, and that means so much to, that's such a big topic. It's like, you know, accountability to the earth, like in terms of, you know, what are we doing with all of this um, packaging and these products that are not like friendly to the planet. And, you know, that is like a whole section that we, again, could have another podcast yeah. about but um you know i i think for for me personally it is just hugely the 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 human piece of that is just like the most important um you know we uh, when the black lives matter movement happened um co company wide at dot dash it was just of utmost importance for us to uh really face that reality and figure out like what we were going to do about it as brands. And so every one of our brands at Dot Dash, and there's like, I don't know, at this point, there's like 13 different media brands at Dot Dash. Um, every brand sat down and wrote a diversity pledge. And it wasn't just like, we're going to do better. It was like, what are we going to do that is not just acknowledging what we should be doing or can be doing better, but 
what is the measurable thing that we can look at every single quarter and say, okay, we put a measurement and a number on this. How did we do? And then let's report that out to our readers as like how we're doing. So for example, like on Birdie, um, we were saying uh, at least 50% uh, of our galleries would um, feature BIPOC individuals, um, that we would, 15% uh, of our product roundups would feature black founded or black owned brands. Um, so it was like numbers and actual like data next to it so that when we review each quarter, we say, okay, great. Like we actually like made progress here. We met this hundred percent. Like, okay, here we have work to do. Like next month, like we have to make sure we're doing this, this stuff better. And so I think that accountability measure is so hugely crucial. And by the way, we have to be advocating for the industry, to, you know, for the, for, the, for the overall industry change. And so what happens sometimes is like, we will get pitched by a brand um, and like this happens on brides a lot where bride, bridal fashion week just happened. And there would be, we would get imagery from brands to put on the site of like the various wedding dresses that were going to, you know, that were new to season. Um, and you'll notice like a brand will only have a white model in like every image. And we're just like, why is that happening right now? And so we, we, we report on the, um, the dresses and we show them and, and we show the collection, but we are very straightforward with a brand. Like we want you to do better. And we have to acknowledge that like you at the time of publication, like you did not meet this level of, um, you know, what we believe is, is, is something that you should be striving toward. And so we then put that as a footnote in the article, you know, at the time of this publication, the designer did not um, have imagery that met like our diversity pledge or whatever. And so we, we're, we're acknowledging it every step of the way and as much as we can. And, and, and I think that that is what should be the normal. Like, I think we saw this huge influx in the spring of like people being like, I'm gonna learn more, I'm gonna do better. And then all of a sudden, like we stopped talking about it. And I think what we have to do as brands, as humans is just say, we have to get better all the time. It is, this is something that doesn't just stop in the spring or doesn't just stop on election, election day or whatever it is, whatever moment. It's something that we all have to continuously strive toward and do better on. And um, I think that's where the industry should be moving. Um, and, I, and I hope that it is. No, I love that. I mean, that's the reason why I've always been a fan of Birdie, you know, aside from the amazing beauty and skincare content. I always thought that it was such a smart platform where I can learn from, you know, there's just a lot of issues that were being discussed you know skin beauty issues but also social issues and that's really what's important and i'm glad that with this new format the you know digital magazine you are actually amplifying it and making it more like a robust type of project yeah i do too i mean i, I remember being at hearst and and looking at birdie all the time i mean we all the edit all the beauty editors at hearst would look to birdie and just say like you know what did they cover today because they were really um, good at kind of making trends happen and like make seeing things and like giving it a name and, and then all of a sudden like the industry would start calling it that and they were always just ahead of the curve and that team um, uh, that, that my team 
that I have now who have been with the brand for, you know, five, six, seven years, like they're responsible for that. And, and they come to work every single day with that North star. And, you know, it's, it's an incredible thing when you can identify what's important to your brand and what you have to rally your team around. And that is where you go. It's not like this ambiguous thing where like, or like, or something that we're trying to be everything. We know exactly what this brand is and that's how we move forward. And I think that's why it all feels aligned all the time. Yeah. And it's genuine. It really comes from the heart, like very authentic. And that's the reason why it's at the core of everyone's mission statement. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. So here at Hello Beauty, we have a philosophy and it's say hello to the beauty in you. What advice can you give to those who are trying to discover their beauty within? I think we're just in a moment now where um, everybody has I don't know. I, I was. I've, I've been watching the the social uh, the social dilemma on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, Not yet. It's on like my to watch list. Anybody, like you know, you might have a lot of anxiety watching it and afterwards. But really, it's really um, fascinating and and scary. But there is a moment where um, they talk about how social media has just brought so much negativity um, around Gen Z in particular, and like you know all the all the bad statistics that like, you know, we don't need to get into today, but um, you know, it, it is, it is this hard moment, I think for young girls. I remember working on, when I was working on 17 magazine, like it's just something that is so like visceral. Like you just, when you're writing for teens, you just, you can't imagine what life is like right now growing up in this world where everything is magnified and like everybody is judging you on everything. Like it doesn't matter that Facebook like removed the like, you know, feature or like the number of likes or whatever, you still feel like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it makes, it, it can be spiraling and very triggering. And so I think, you know, the idea of hopefully getting to a place where we aren't putting so much value from like what we see on social media and we are being more real. And I think if I would just sort of say like the, the real factor can bring so much comfort to people and make people feel more normal. Um, it's that idea when people are putting out this like fakeness on social media and you're like judging yourself against them. I think like that's where that like really bad, like friction starts to play into your self-esteem. And so I think, what all of us should be doing is just being a little bit more real and like throwing that veneer down so that everybody can just like be feel more normal on these platforms because it's just it's just um i don't know that's like a very weird answer to your question but it's been so uh, on my mind from the show that like i'm i just thought i had a little girl five months ago and i'm like i was never letting her go on social media no that's very helpful especially coming from you who has worked in these big publications you know that a lot of us, even me, like that's technically like quote unquote, were our Bible, you know, growing up. We look onto your words, the editor's words, the writer's words. It kind of shapes and forms us on our identity and how we grow up and how we present ourselves. So hearing that from you, it just, it just like kind of relaxes me and just puts it at ease where, cause I mean, all like all of my guests, they say somewhat the same thing in like their own way. And, but it also, hits such a note to me and and resonates to me coming from you because yeah i've been reading cosmopolitan 17 magazine and like birdie so it's just that pressure that 
we have to live up to certain looks, yeah. even trends. You know, it's so tiring to keep up with trends, right? But then you yourself are saying like, hey, take a chill pill, peel it back, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it's hard. I was oh, There was this awesome meme that I saw this week um, of like a young girl, she must have been like in high school. Um, and then she was like crossing paths with her older self. So you could see like, it was the same girl, but she looked young on like one path and like older on the other. And then the older path, she was like engaged, I think. And she had like, you know, she was super happy. And this like younger girl was more of like, just, you know, not as like happy and um, like not more sort of like a shell of herself. And then she saw like her future and was like, oh my gosh, my future is so bright. Like I have to, you know, aim toward that. And, and I think like that is, such a lesson is like when I look back on my teen years, my 20 years, like even my 30s, like dear God, um, <laughs> you know, you just, you, you had these moments where you were like, I'm not, like, I'm not gonna be, I'm not good enough, or like, I'm not this, I'm not that, or just very negative. And I think sometimes, you know, if you can imagine like what your 10 years from now self would tell you, like it, it can kind of help you like get through those those moments because you know it, it usually ends up in a place that's like better and you kind of have to like have that vision to kind of aim for uh so i think that was like that was just like a meme that i thought was really effective at communicating some of it i love that and especially coming from like the industry like yours and you know for from the outside the viewers who would like or readers that would read your magazine and even like your words they look up to people like you you know so just like hearing these words like as i've mentioned earlier it's it's such a great starting point and it's such a great reminder for people out there oh god <laughs> yeah so what is something exciting for you in the near future god i don't know i mean my big moment happened this year like i, I have had my second baby and i had been um i had been trying for like three years to have a baby i was having like this crazy secondary infertility and like nobody could um could help me like i had gone through like all these rounds of ivf and you know just like it was impossible and crazily enough like after seeing like some eastern medicine doctors and getting like out of like the western medicine fixes i was able to, like crazily get pregnant on my own um oh, wow. and so i ha i've had my daughter um five months ago and i think like the the thing that i'm looking forward to most is just like continuing this adventure of being a mom of two because i had been looking forward to this moment for so long it's kind of like here it is like i just want to enjoy it and like enjoy these like little moments that are coming up like the holidays and you know whatever this new normal is of us being like together in the house in the apartment like it's you know i'm just trying to sort of reframe what like these small moments are actually big moments now for me because I'm experiencing them again with a with a new baby. I love it. And congratulations again. Thank so you. where can they find you and learn more about you? Um, well, I mean, I'm on like all the, mainly I'm at, most active on Instagram um, at Leah Wire. And um, yeah, Instagram's my thing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you, Joyce, so much. <laughs>